Our reading for God's Word today, Paul is right along in Philippians. We're reading in Philippians, beginning chapter 1, starting verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to read on into chapter 2 for our section today. Philippians 1, 27. Whatever happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, and make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who, being in very nature of God, did not consider the equality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every man, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we're thankful to God for His word. Thank you. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to look at you guys in the dark back there. <laughs> not sure what happened with the lights. But. Okay, we're here. This is our third Sunday in our series about joy. We're going after joy together as a congregation. And the last two Sundays we talked about it. The first Sunday we looked at joy and how to experience joy through participating in love. And how the gospel is inextricably connected to true love and joy found therein. Last Sunday we talked about gaining joy through discovering your ultimate purpose in life. We looked at how Paul's ultimate purpose was to advance the gospel. And how living according to that ultimate purpose gave him joy that transcended his terrible circumstances in prison where he writes this letter from. Today we're looking at gaining joy through unity among the church. Now I know why some of you are thinking, I don't know, unity among the church, is that really the answer to my joylessness? I mean, I'm the pastor here. I'm here all week. I think about the church all the time. I realize you guys have jobs 
and lives out there that are not directly connected to the church. But what I'm going to argue today is that unity within the church could be one of the answers to your joylessness if you're living without joy right now. So I want to start off by reading the first bit of this passage again. In Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 27. This, this, the beginning of this passage will serve as our introduction today. Paul is writing to his beloved Christians at the church of Philippi. You know, he's in prison, he just got done talking about how much they love each other, how great that is, and how they shouldn't worry about being in prison because his purpose is being fulfilled, so it's okay. And he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it is to be granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. If any of these things are true, if any of this gospel is true, then make my joy complete. And then he talks about unity, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. He's saying, I want, when I come back to you, I've been in prison for two years, when I come back to you, I pray and I hope that I will find you standing firm as a church, as one man, united. That's his prayer. As much as he loves these people, that's what he wants to do. Now, before we really launch into this sermon, I want you to realize that what we're going to talk about today could revolutionize your whole life. It certainly can revolutionize our church. Maybe even our community in Charlotte. If we can apply ourselves and grasp this, it could be big. It's a call for unity in the church. The kind of unity that yields joy and strength. A healthy church. Now I want you to know that if you're a Christian, you're called to be part of a church. You're called to be part of the body of Christ. And how you relate to people within that body is going to greatly affect your joy. So this is a very important passage for us this morning. Now the next few verses have a lot of sort of rapid-fire admonitions. Or Paul, Paul does this sometimes in his letters. He'll just sort of rapid-fire say, okay, you can be like this, like this, like this, and do this, this, and this. And within those little statements are just whole worlds of meaning and application for us. So we're going to spend some time just sort of unpacking some of these things that he says to the church. So the first one, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded. He's urging to be of the same mind. Think the same way. Have the same mindset. In other words, we must, if we're going to be united as a church, if we're as individuals going to experience joyful unity with our Christian brothers and sisters. We have to think the same direction. Or as I put in your insert, the outline, we have to point our heads toward God. 
Because a shared way of thinking brings people together. And I want to share with you a little example of how this has come about in our church. I'm probably going to walk more to this side today than this side. So I don't want to overwhelm you too. <laughs> Recently in our church, we had a very touchy situation arise. And it came to the deacon board. And this issue had the potential to be very troublesome. It had the potential to be very divisive. To divide us among the deacon board and maybe even cause trouble within the church. And we knew it did. So we met. We talked it over. And there were honestly men on, on all different sides of the issue. We were definitely less than unanimous when we left that first meeting. It was very cordial, don't get me wrong. I mean, we love each other. We work well together. But that first meeting about this issue, we weren't all quite on the same page. So we decided to take some time, meet again, after we had a chance for prayer, gather a little more information. And so we did so. We came back together maybe, I don't know, two weeks later. And something remarkable had happened.
challenge you're facing right now in your life, or the most urgent decision that you must make, or the most urgent predicament that you're in. You had it in your mind? I know you guys have these things. Now before the day is out, I want you to go home, and I want you to, in some way, try to figure out what does the Bible say? What does God's Word say in regard to that situation? I put in your bulletin insert some tools that can help you with this. Uh, the most basic and probably the most helpful is the back of your Bibles. Something called a concordance. If your problem or your predicament has to do with money, try looking up money back there. Just see what the Bible has to say about it. This is the first step to thanking God for When we get our challenges and our problems, instead of just wrestling with it and just trying to manhandle the situation and just figure out how can I make this thing work or make this decision until you end up with this tangled mess, set your mind on things above. What does God's Word say about it? Because if we as individuals become individuals who think like this, We'll all be thinking the same direction. And unity will follow. We'll be like-minded. Paul said, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, maintaining the same love, some, some translations say, sharing the same love. In other words, love in the same direction. If we're going to be united, we have to think the same direction, we have to love the same direction. And we see all the time how a shared love brings people together. That's why there's conferences. People come from all over the world to attend conferences for things that they love. For comic books, yoga, collectibles. There's actually conferences that gather people from all over the nation because of a shared love for dressing up in giant mascot costumes. You know, sports games, the guys in the giant, like, pickle costume or whatever, I don't know. I don't miss it. Probably. It's not very exciting. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. There's conferences for people who love dressing up in giant mascot costumes, and they actually come from all over the nation. This shared love brings them together. There's conferences for people who love making balloon animals. And they assemble because of this shared love. Think about Star Trek. Star Trek. I've always said that wrong. I've always said Star Trek, like a running track. Star Trek. Talk about shared love that brings people together. That's a phenomenon. Or look at fan clubs. There's fan clubs for every actor under the sun, every band ever formed. There's fan clubs for people with cars. I found fan clubs for Dutch cinema. Any of you in the Dutch cinema fan club? <laughs> All these loves, shared loves, bring people together. Okay, yeah, I tend to be making Facebook references every sermon. I know some people are like, what is Facebook? I can't explain it to you. But if you're in Facebook, you know Facebook groups bring people together by shared love. So you have Facebook groups for Shroud. Facebook groups for people who love Thin Mints. <laughs> Facebook groups for people who love Taco Bell. My favorite point that I've Facebook groups 
for people who want the guy who played Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> These exist. And if people love to be brought together by a shared love. Shared love brings people together. And instead of us being a congregation of a hundred different people, just hard to point a hundred different directions to call them, they are in love with a hundred different things. Paul saying to his church, no, be of one love. All these things are fine. Mr. Belvedere, the actor who plays him, I'm sure is a great guy. But you have a love that is so much greater. You have a relationship with God. So our shared love for God should be a uniting factor in our church. So the question for you is, what do you love? If you're not experiencing some joy from a sense of unity within our church, maybe here's where you need to start. What is your heart yearning for? Now, challenge for you here is just think through the top five or six things that you spend all your time on, that you spend all your money on, that you spend all your energy on. This will help you discern what do I love? Because you pour out your resources for what you love. And then you need to pray a very simple prayer. You need to pray, God, forgive me for loving these things over you. Anything that's on your list higher than God. The harsh reality is anything that you love more than God is idolatry. So we need to think, what do I love? And then pray, God, change my heart to see you and you are your God. And I get more joy out of joining the, the Scribe Facebook group. We're going to the Star Trek convention. I don't think we have any Trekkies in here. Then coming to assemble with other people who share my love for you and your son Jesus. We have to think Godly together. We have to love Godly together. And after you pray that prayer, the next step, and I always come back to this, you have to get to know God. You only get to know God through His Word. Get to know him, I promise you, all in love with him. You know what I'm grabbing those 91.9 Bible reading schedules out there? It doesn't matter if it's June 5th. Just pick it up. Start at June 5th. Read your Bible. Some of those resources I put in your bulletin insert might help. Get to know God. And here's how this works itself out. I don't know if there's anyone in here that's an artist that likes to draw. Uh, something you may not know about me. When I was a kid, that's all I did. I had no friends in elementary school or middle school. Uh, praise God, I made some friends in high school. But prior to that, I lived out in the country and was not anything to do with United Cable or a pool or anything fun. I sat in my room at my desk, which was actually in my closet, which sounds weird than it really is. Or maybe it really is weird, I don't know. But I sat at my desk, which is actually in my closet, and I drew. All day long. I just drew pictures of all kinds of stuff. And my grandfather was an architect. And he saw that I had an interest in this, so he would give me some books to help my technique. And some of the books he would give me were more architectural in nature. And it was fascinating because I started to learn how to draw a landscape that included buildings in such a way that it looked realistic. I learned how to get the perspective right. You know, when you look at a building, 
if you look at like the side of a building, as the building gets further away from you, the lines draw closer together. Do you know what I mean? It's called perspective. That's how you know that I'm not only four inches tall. You know that I'm just really far away from you. So things get smaller as they get further away from you. I started to figure these things out. I started to be able to draw buildings that looked realistic and, and uh, like street scenes where there were several buildings. And the trick was not to compare the buildings that you're drawing to the other buildings that you're drawing. The trick was to make a point on the horizon of your landscape. Just make a little dot. And then all the lines of those buildings would flow and point toward that dot on the horizon. It's hard to paint this picture with words. But that's how you made it look right. All the lines, all those buildings would flow toward the same point on the horizon. And that's kind of how this church thing works. How in the world are we supposed to have a church right now of 100 people and be united? If you spend any time with people, you know that people disagree, people are hard to get along with, people are messed up because we're all sinners, and you bring a hundred sinners into a building, a hundred times one sinful person does not equal less sin. This is a, a church full of a hundred sinful people. How are we supposed to be united? This is the trick. And where we, where we mess up is that we think to be united, we should just focus on each other. Be nice to each other. I'm not saying that's wrong. But for us to be united, like a church is supposed to be united, we need to set this point on the horizon. And all the lines of our lives will flow toward that point. And if we're all thinking the same direction, if we're all loving the same direction, as we move forward, Together, we move closer to each other. That's the kind of unity that the Bible's talking about. The unity of shared love, shared way of thinking. Now let's read on and see what the result of this is. Paul says, Make my joy complete by being like mine, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. This one spirit and purpose, grammatically the way that's set up, I think that's sort of the result of individually trying to align our thoughts and our hearts with God. Is that we as a church, as a group of people, become one spirit. The word there in the Greek is literally one soul. S-O-U-L-E-D, like your soul, like the, the deepest core of you. It's not used anywhere else in the Bible. I don't think it's used anywhere else really in in Greek literature. I, we, we think that Paul just made it up. And he says, be like-minded, be the same love, and you'll be one soul. The deepest core desires, identity, ambitions of each of us hundred people in this church will be become knit together. We'll grow a human soul. That's how I love it. Like someone has a new brow. <laughs> Only you soul people are much more attractive than you <laughs> But I use that example because I think it might help you understand. You know, there's supposed to be two of these, and sometimes it migrates into one. You know, we're a hundred different people with a hundred different souls, a hundred different inner core of desire and identity and ambition. 
But as we move toward this singular point on the horizon, we will grow in the soul. And that's a good thing. That's the kind of unity the Bible is talking about. Says being in one spirit and one purpose. Pointing our heads and our hearts toward God as individuals will result in us being in one spirit and in us being united in Christ. We have, like I said, about 150 people in this church. We're not going to be able to experience the joy of unity, especially in the efficiency of the church, if we're all working toward a hundred different goals. It's just not going to happen. We have people in our church who just want to retain their membership, but beyond that, they're not really into the whole church. We have people in our church who primarily care about maintaining friendships within the church. We have people who won't have a lot of stuff going on, a lot of programs. We have people who want less programs, just chop programs away. We have people who want newer music. We have people who want older music. We have people who want formality and suits. We have people who want casual. We have people who want to grow in numbers. We have people that do not want to grow in numbers. We have people that want more teaching. We have people that want very specific kinds of teaching. We have people who want less teaching, more outreach. We have people that want less of all that, more inreach. We have people who want more fellowship, more music, less music, etc., etc., etc. So long as we have individuals within the body that are just stretching for all these different goals and different purposes, the body of Christ is just going to be sore and it's just going to be standing there, not really doing anything. Paul pleads with the Philippians be like minded, be of one love. And be united in purpose. I love how he says it earlier. He says that he wants to know that they stand firm in one spirit, continuing as one man for the faith of the gospel. Continuing as one man. We talked about purpose last week. I know my time is strong so close. We talked a lot about purpose last week. And we looked at Paul's life and we determined. That as a Christian, we have an ultimate purpose, and that is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see that the gospel of Jesus Christ grows in our own lives, takes over our own lives, that the gospel of Jesus Christ grows and advances in the lives of our Christian brothers and sisters in our church. And to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ advances out in our community. That's our ultimate core purpose. Now, what happens? When a church loses their first love, like that church in, in uh, Revelation, is that all these secondary concerns that I mentioned before about music style and all all the secondary concerns move up into the primary concern. And we just lose sight of our whole primary purpose here, which is to advance the gospel. To communicate it as individuals and as a church. We've got to unite if this church is ever going to mean it. We've got to unite in mind and heart, especially in purpose. You know, I'm thinking, what that means if we get an influx of, of people who are different than we are? Oh, we've got this apartment complex in over here. What if this just fills up with people that are different than us? What if our church 
programs or initiatives that are good, but that are not efficient in advancing the gospel, that don't really have anything to do with advancing the gospel. There may be painful things. But we must be united under one purpose, to advance the gospel by representing Jesus in our community as his body through our unity and our service. Remember my first couple of Sundays here, I talked about we I spent a lot of time searching the Bible to figure out what is a church even supposed to be. And we determined through a study of scripture that the church is the local representation of Jesus Christ as his body through our unity together. What we've just been talking about here, our service to the community. That's what we have today. My time is up. There were three more points. These three more points, it's okay. I'm going to leave these off because they're very straightforward. These three points talk about humility, a necessary characteristic for us to have unity. Do not be our selfish ambition or vain conceit. Consider others as better than yourselves. Look out for others' interests before your own. I'm not going to go into those. Those are kind of disconnected anyway from the idea that we've been talking about. Read those. Pray those things as reality in your life. To conclude, I just want to read the second half of this passage. Paul says, Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. But being in very nature, God did not consider the quality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human lives, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's our example as Christians. To, to think the same direction, to love the same direction, to be united in thought, heart, and purpose will take humility. Christ is our example. By the grace of God, we can experience a laser beam focus of joyful unity as a church. And we'll experience a great joy that will inevitably result. My prayer for each of us and each of you is, is that if your life has been tainted with joylessness lately, that you'll think through your place in the body of Christ in this church and see if that might not be a cause for some of your joylessness. And if that might not be an opportunity for you to, you to humble yourself, experience the unity that you're meant to in the body of Christ. That's my prayer for a